Well, I need, uh, I need help before I speak this morning, so uh, if you'd pray with me. Dear Father, we thank you for the privilege of meeting together and hearing your word. Uh, we pray now that the words that I say would be your words and that your Holy Spirit be working to open each of our hearts to change us to be more and more like you. Uh, in Jesus Christ's name, amen. Well, I'm not sure if, uh, if you're like me, but uh, my end of 2008 had a depressingly recurrent theme. Uh, in November, uh, my brother-in-law, who works for a finance company, his finance company ran out of money. And so they had to cut costs as a result, and unfortunately, he was one of those results. Uh, about a week later, uh, my brother was at a wedding, and he was sitting at a table, and three people at this table of six had been made redundant that very week. Uh, then... About a week after that, I was having lunch with a friend of mine who's a minister in a well-to-do suburb here in Sydney, uh, and he told me the story of how he'd been supporting two separate families of men, both in their mid-40s, who had killed themselves in the last week, one of which was related to a redundancy. Then uh, I get to work, and I thought, OK, I'm going to be safe at work, ha-ha. Um, the husband of one of my colleagues who'd worked for a major bank for 20 years got laid off. They've got two kids under the age of three. And then uh, I thought, okay, well, I'll go on holidays and escape all this. Went down to Melbourne, stayed with some, some fantastic friends of ours. Uh, and one of, our, one of uh, the husband, actually, he works for a bank as well. Just got a promotion, fantastic news, except for the first thing he had to do was to sack 10 people. Uh, and it just seemed to me over and over again, can I just ask, am I unusual? Does anyone else know of anybody who's been made redundant or know of people who's been made redundant in the last few months? Okay. Okay, so I'm not that, I'm not that unusual. And uh, I think uh, it's fair to say that it's a fairly scary world we live in in uh, early 2009, isn't it, with the global financial crisis rumbling through the world's economy. Uh, I don't know if you, if you read, the, read the stats, but the Australian Bureau of Statistics tells us that in November, uh, 15,000 jobs were lost from the Australian economy. Uh, last week, we had the Deputy Prime Minister telling us that a further 44,000 full-time jobs were removed from the economy. Most of those losses were in the finance sector, but now we see they're spreading to manufacturing, to mining, to retail, to services, even to the public sector. And so uh, I thought it was a nice way to finish off the year when the Australian on their December 31st edition uh, told us that the jobless rate in Australia is heading to one million people and uh, that rate cuts won't avert the unemployment pain. It's a fairly cheery way to end your, your 2008, isn't it? Bon voyage, you say good riddance. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to get much better. But, you know, whether or not you can identify the doom loop that I seem to be caught up with in late last year, uh, I have to reluctantly conclude, given the way the economy is at the moment, that each of us will more than likely know someone in the next few months who has been made redundant. Or even more unfortunately, uh, experience redundancy ourselves. And therefore, I think it's a crucial that we as Christians take the time to understand how redundancy and losing one's job fits into God's plans. And once we have that uh, proper perspective, we need to work out how do we deal with it and or how do we help someone else deal with it who's experienced job loss. Because Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 3.15 that we should always be ready to explain the reason for the hope we have. And that extends to explaining to colleagues, uh, to relatives, to friends, whether Christian or non-Christian, why redundancy is still part of God's sovereign plans for this world and for our lives and why even a redundancy can't shake the hope that we have as Christian people. So let's do that. And the way I propose to do it is look at redundancy in terms of the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
Now let's look at the, the good first. Uh, it's a well-quoted verse that most of us would know, Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. You read that verse, and as Christians we've got to say, uh, as Christians who God has called according to his purposes, we need to acknowledge that uh, perhaps despite many appearances to the contrary, a redundancy or losing our job is somehow part of God's good plan for us. Uh, and for some people, redundancy is a good thing. Uh, if you're looking to get out anyway and you've got a great big check as you walked out the door, that's a good thing. Uh, for some people, uh, redundancy might be just the push they needed a long time ago because they knew they should have gotten out of this job because they really didn't fit there and really didn't want to be there. And in that situation, redundancy can also be a good thing. But as is often the case with some of God's plans for our lives, uh, sometimes it's not immediately clear where the good is in a situation, especially one regarding job loss. However, even in those situations, uh, I think if we look for them, uh, you can find some silver linings, if you like. Um, and most obviously, those benefits come from not having to work. Because being freed up from work allows us to do lots of other things, doesn't it? Allows us to spend time with our friends and with our family. Uh, it can free us up to, to minister to other people, either formally by spending more time working at church or at Bible study or for, for a Christian organisation or any other non-profit organisation that serves people. Or it can even just happen informally, can't it? You can just spend time meeting up with people, uh, praying with people, discipling them, looking after them, serving them in any number of ways. And so being fret-free from work has a silver lining and allows you to have a bit more time. And it particularly allows us to take time to look after ourselves, which I don't think is a bad thing at all. Uh, one thing I found uh, when I was made redundant back in 2001 from eBay where I was working was that it really forced me to step back and reassess what is, was important in my life. You know, what I valued, what I was really striving for, uh, what I wanted to achieve with the gifts that God had given me. And ultimately... Um, my time away from work helped me to sort of uh, loosen the grip on, that I had on my career, you know, placing the value where I did. And maybe redundancy offers you or offers the person who you're trying to help the opportunity to think about a different job that might allow them to better love their family or serve other people better. And, you know, these are the sorts of good things that can come out of job loss, that can come out of being made redundant, um, from being freed up from working. And sometimes, uh, if, he's, if we're really lucky, I think, God in his goodness allows us to see those and to praise him for those good things. However, despite all that, despite these potential uh, silver linings, we need to acknowledge that redundancy is generally not a good thing. Uh, most of the thousands of people who lost their job in late 2008 didn't want to lose their job. Uh, there'll be many people in early 2009 who fear for their jobs, uh, and you might be one of them. Uh, the fact is that for most people, redundancy is a bad thing. Human experience tells us that, but so too does God's word, because God views job loss as a bad thing as well. And let's take a look at some key passages to understand why we can say that. Um, first, as we reflect back on Genesis chapter 2 that Phil read for us, you can see that in God's original plan, in the Garden of Eden, when God created humanity... Mankind was created to work. 
Human beings are designed to work, to create, to build, to care for things, to do things with meaning. And at our core, at what we were designed to do, God made us to be workers. And I think it's notable, if you go forward a bit further in Genesis to chapter 3, in verse 23 we see that even after sin spoiled everything, even after God expels humanity from the Garden of Eden, God sends us out to work. Work is still part of God's plan. Sin has wrecked that plan, both for work and for us, and redundancy is the proof of that. But the fact of the matter is, at our very core, God has designed us, we're designed to work. And redundancy frustrates that plan. Redundancy means we can't do what God designed us to do. And for that reason alone, losing your job is a bad thing. However, there are other ways that it's bad, because redundancy goes against other areas of God's plan for us. Losing our job you see, has the consequential uh, result of preventing us fulfilling some of our scriptural responsibilities. Now, you'll see on your outline that I've left a number of verses there. We won't go through them all, but let me just tell you what some of them tell us from the New Testament. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, we read that Paul tells us that we are to work. Why? We're to work so that we can care for ourselves. We can buy food and drink and clothe ourselves and shelter ourselves. That's why we work, so we can look after ourselves. Then in 1 Timothy 5, we see that we need to work so that we can look after our families. Paul says, if you don't look after your families, you're worse than an unbeliever. In Ephesians 4, work, we see, also enables us to care for those in need, to those less fortunate than ourselves. Work serves a valuable purpose there as well. And then in those last three verses, Galatians 6, 1 Timothy 5, Philippians chapter 1, we see that because we work, we're able to support those who minister to us and who support us through ministry. And we conclude from all these passages that God did not simply design us to be workers. He actually wants us to use work in a meaningful way. And clearly redundancy, or losing our job, prevents us from fulfilling this biblical mandate of using the fruits of our labour to care for others and for ourselves. But, and I do want to stress here, I guess, you know, losing your job is not just theoretical or theological, is it? It can be... Um, very, very stressful, especially if you have a mortgage to meet or bills to pay. Uh, I noticed that uh, when I got back from Melbourne after Christmas, in my pile of mail there was this ad from my bank, I don't know whether you got one from your bank, noting seven reasons why you might want to uh, look for flexibility in repaying your mortgage. Uh, The first one says, I'm in between jobs so I need some flexibility, which I think is code for, I've lost my job, I have no income and how the heck am I going to pay my mortgage? Interestingly, my bank suggested consider taking a repayment holiday. I'm not sure I'd use the word holiday in that sort of sentence, but nonetheless, you know, for a lot of people, uh, this sort of advertising and the number of additional houses that are now on the market show that this is a very, very serious time, uh, that this is a very, very serious matter and that redundancy is a very, very bad thing for a number of people. But the fact of the matter is, uh, in spite of all that, I will say that it can get worse. In fact, it can get ugly. And there are two ways that I want to point out the ways that when redundancy hits, how it can be very, very ugly. The first one is when being made redundant or losing our job causes us to challenge our self-worth. When I lost my job, I can look back now, didn't see it at the time, but I can look back now and see that I was absolutely shattered by the experience. It wasn't supposed to happen to me and I remember having conversations with Emma uh, saying, I've got my career planned and this is what I'm going to do, I've been successful up till now, here's the plan and it shouldn't be happening to me. Why is this happening to me? Just not fair. And the experience of redundancy made me question my capability, uh, my skills, and I have to admit, 
uh, at the end of the day, it made me question my value and uh, what I was worth in the marketplace. And uh, taking six months to find a new job uh, certainly didn't help that either. And I guess in hindsight, when I look back to that period of time, my experience makes me realise that what I'd been doing was I'd been wrapping up a lot of my personal value in my career and, and what I'd achieved in my career. And I think this is a common ailment for most Australian men and for many Australian women, uh, both for measuring our own worth and unfortunately for measuring other people as well. And the problem with that and the danger of this illness, of course, is if the source of meaning goes, then uh, the meaning goes with it and you're left with, with very little. Now, as probably many of you will realise, that runs entirely counter to what God thinks about work, about success, about what we should value in ourselves and in others. And, uh, you know, looking at, remember last year we looked at Ecclesiastes for a long period of time, and Ecclesiastes was very, very helpful in this regard, I think. Uh, the teacher tells us in Ecclesiastes that like most things in this world, that uh, work and success at work is transient, it's fleeting, and ultimately it's meaningless. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2, for example, that tells us that work and all that we do there ultimately is hevel, meaningless. There is no point when you read Ecclesiastes, there is no point in establishing our meaning and value through our meaningless work. And our achievements, our temporal trinkets and our titles are not what God measures us by. Rather, we see page after page in Scripture telling us that God loves us for who we are rather than for what we have done. And isn't that a good thing? Uh, and as Christians, we need to remember that we are valued and loved by God. Matthew chapter 6 tells us that. We need to remember that we are his treasured, precious possession. Malachi 3 tells us that. We need to realise that we are his heirs and his children. Galatians 4 tells us that. And of course, you know, the most amazing demonstration of God's love of, of all is that he sent his one and only son to die for us on a cross that we could be forgiven. You know, God really, truly loves us and values us. He really does. And so Paul reminds us then in 2 Corinthians 5 that because of what Christ has done, that we can no longer look at ourselves or others in a worldly way. We Christians can no longer, we must not measure ourselves by the answer to the most common social question in Australia today, which is, so what do you do? Because I've stated before God, the only value measurement with any eternal significance is not dependent on what we do, and it's not dependent on whether we're employed or not. And if we're to think properly about redundancy and about work, we need to view ourselves as God sees us, which is precious, very, very precious, and not as businesses see us, which is expendable. And we need to get that perspective absolutely right, because if we get this wrong, that's when things can get very ugly. And I guess my minister friend who I talked about earlier, he can attest to that very, very clearly. So that's the first ugly risk. The second ugly risk <clears throat> of redundancy or losing your job is when it causes us to question God. And we can be especially vulnerable to this, I think, when the next job, if you need a job, seems harder and harder to come by. And it's times like these that we can, we can cry out angrily like Job does throughout his book. Or like the psalmist in Psalm 73, we might envy the wicked who seem to do okay even when they don't trust in God. But if we forget the ending of Job... And if we forget the ending of Psalm 73 or even Ecclesiastes, that uh, God is God, <clears throat> that he is in control, 
that he is working things for our good and that he is to be praised, even if we can't see those things that are praiseworthy, then that's when things get really, really nasty because at worst we can end up uh, being tempted to give up on God on the pretext that, well, apparently he's given up on me. Now, I want to say today that if, if we feel that way, well, that's nothing more than satanic trickery. It really isn't. And we need to remember that God is faithful. Hebrews 10.23 tells us that as well as a number of other verses. And we can trust him that all things will indeed work out for our good, even if, even if we never understand what that good is or why that good he chose to do it in the way that he did. Um, clearly, losing our job, especially in this economy, is one of those key events in life that will force us to ask, do I really believe what God tells me? Do I really, truly believe what God tells me? And that is when we really, truly testify about our faith and demonstrate both to God and to others that our belief is real, that our faith is not built on sand, but it's built on solid ground. Because the alternative to that is really, really ugly. Okay. So that's the good, the bad and the ugly. We've built a Christian perspective, I hope, on, on redundancy and losing your job. What now? What do you actually do if you've lost your job? Well, what do you do if someone you know has lost their job? Let's, let's take a look at each of those in turn. If you are uh, unfortunately made redundant and you need another job, uh, I want to give you a few thoughts on what you might do if you have experienced that situation. First, you need to trust God. That's the most important thing. Make sure your perspective is a Christian one. Work, uh, as we've just seen, is important for a number of reasons, but it's not everything. And get the perspective wrong on work though and you could run the risk of losing everything that is important so it's very important that you get work in its right place but realize it's not everything and get the perspective right get your thinking right get your perspective right so that's the first thing that underpins everything else i think second you need to think about getting some help and that help may be in any number of forms uh, but you should take advantage of whatever you need to get you through this period of time this could mean a few of them that i had in mind a few of them was career counseling uh, when I was uh, made redundant, it's quite a common feature of redundancy these days, is that a company, the company offered me outplacement support, which sounds like a nice little corporate anachronism, doesn't it? Outplacement support. And this can be actually quite helpful for thinking about where do I go next? Who do I talk to? What do I want to do with my life? What do I want to do now that I've been set free from work? Career counselling can be helpful. Another thing you might want to consider uh, is coaching. Uh, getting someone you respect or you, you value to help you think about what you're good at and where you might want to look next for a job or how you might pitch yourself to an employer, get them to cast a fresh set of eyes over your CV or things like that. A third one you might want to consider is financial planning, especially if you're going to be without income for a while and things are going to be tight financially, you might need to get some expert advice to help you through. As I said, all this sort of help can be very, very, uh, very, very necessary and you should take advantage of that. Um, the most important help, though, and I've read this is the third thing you should do if you're made redundant, is get Christian support, good Christian support. Uh, if you're married, hopefully that will come from your spouse, but single or married, it might also come from your minister, um, from your Bible study, or from just Christian friends that you know. But it's crucial that you, uh, you, you find them and you're accountable to them, you get them to pray for you, and you let them care for you if that's what's required. Um, at this period of time, I can't emphasise enough that having good Christian friends around you to help you keep that right perspective and to look after you is crucially important. 
Okay, the fourth thing, <clears throat> if you need to find a, another job, uh, you need to treat the job hunt as a full-time job in itself. Uh, I was told that when I left eBay. I didn't believe it, and I quickly found out it's actually true. You need to treat it like a full-time job. And just like any job, you need to work hard to succeed at the task. You need to work out what you want to do. You need to work out what you can do. You need to work out what employers are going to want to see from you. You need to work hard to find a job. And one of the great blessings of the modern age is that you can do a lot of this stuff these days from the home computer, can't you? And, you know, job sites are the most obvious ones. Seek is the big one in Australia. Um, but <clears throat> I actually think there are two ways which the internet can be even more helpful than the job sites. First, the internet is a fabulous tool for working out how to do your job hunt. And just, you know, spending time thinking about uh, the message today, I found 25 pages, sites, articles on how to think about your life after you lose your job, how to structure your CV, how to pitch yourself to a potential employer, how do you go about doing it, how do you plan to do it. Really helpful stuff you can find on the internet at just the click of a button. So, you know, make, make use of that, I would, I would counsel you. But second, the internet is also a great networking tool. Um, consider using sites such as uh, Facebook or LinkedIn uh, just to get introduced to people so that you can then go and talk to people about jobs. Uh, one of the things I found in my job hunt uh, a few years ago was that the real opportunities always came from personal introductions, far more than going through recruitment agencies or scouring job sites. The real opportunities came from talking to people and meeting people and being in the right place at the right time. And that's what a lot of the research tells us as well. Networking is just incredibly important. Now, you don't have to do that online. You can use your friends who are not online, of course. But Facebook and LinkedIn are two ways which, which I've found and heard that are very, very useful for doing that. And uh, if I can just be old-fashioned for a second, there is a book. It's one of these things with paper in the middle. Um, there's a book that I found incredibly helpful and still do. It's called What Colour Is Your Parachute? Uh, this is the 2009 Job Hunting in Hard Times edition. Um, but this is a book by a guy called Richard Bowles. I read it then, I still read it. It is very, very helpful. Um, it's American, it's a tad bit hokey, but it sold 10 million copies, and I will vouch for it in terms of being very, very helpful to help you think about what you might want to do next, uh, how you go about your job, job hunt, how you pitch yourself, how you think about what you should be doing. Um, and as an added bonus, the guy who writes it is a Christian man, and there's a real sense in this book that he really, truly understands the importance of work, uh, how tough job loss is, and how much, God finds us, uh, you know, how much God wants us to find work as well. So if you're looking for something, this is a really good book to give to someone or to use yourself. Very, very helpful. But let me come back again to, to where we started. And the most important thing in this whole period of time, if you've, been, if you've lost your job, is to have a Christian perspective as you deal with being made redundant or losing your job. Uh, you need to, again, you need to trust God. Trust God that he's working for your good and that good in some form or another will come out of all this. Uh, it may not seem that way. It may seem quite the opposite. But let me urge you as a Christian person, urge you to make the decision, choose to consciously do it, make the decision to serve God and to honour God by the way you live. Seek help, honour God. Okay, so that's if it's you. What if it's someone else? And hopefully that's giving you some ideas on how you can help people if you, someone you know has been made redundant. Hopefully it's obvious what you can do for them. But I'll remind you that uh, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, Paul tells us as Christians that we need to carry the burden of one another. 
And uh, you can help do that in any number of ways when someone's lost their job, can't you? You can provide a listening ear, you can provide some helpful advice, uh, you can provide a meal if times are tough economically. There are lots of ways you can carry the burden for your Christian brother or sister. But let me suggest two. The first one is to pray for them. Pray for them. And uh, pray especially that they would uh, trust God. That's probably the most important one. But also you can pray, of course, that God will provide what they need, whether that's reassurance or comfort or a job. Um, it, as always in our Christian life, prayer is vital, but at times like this, it's, it's, I think it's even particularly important. It can be very, very helpful when people know you're praying for them. I certainly found that. Second thing you can do is you can look out for jobs for your friends. As I mentioned before, it's often who you know and not what you know that is most helpful when you're finding a job. And even referring friends to other friends who might know about jobs can be very, very helpful. Um, now, of course, that all assumes that you know what your friend wants to do and what they're capable of doing. I will say it is not helpful just to lay a thousand jobs at someone's, you know, in front of someone saying, here you go, when you have no idea what they want to do. So, you know, be sensitive to that. And that, that kind of leaves me, you know, let me just finish with a word of caution. Um, this can be a pretty tough time, as we've talked about. Um, and it may be that people don't want to talk about what they're going through. Uh, I remember that there were times uh, when I was going through my job hunt in particular that I was sick and tired of talking about how I was going. Just, look, I appreciate your care, I just don't want to talk about it. So let me urge you, you know, be sensitive. If they want to talk, uh, listen to them, pray for them, help them out where you can. If they don't want to talk, well, go away and pray for them because that's still very, very important. So some things you might be able to do if you know someone who's lost their job. But, okay, so there we are. That's uh, 2009. And as we head out from here this morning into the global financial crisis, uh, let me urge you to really think about what perspective you're going to take on job loss and redundancy. Uh, we can't know what the year ahead's going to hold, but we can know these three things. We can know that God loves us. He loves us so much he sent his son to die for us. We also know that God will work for our good. He works for the good of those who love him. And third, we know that he wants us to trust him and love him, even in the most difficult times. So no, we, we can't ignore the fact that being made redundant or losing a job is incredibly difficult, can be incredibly difficult for some people. And we shouldn't overlook the hardship it can cause or the dangers it can bring to the Christian walk. But we also need to see that there is some good in God's plans. And sometimes redundancy might provide us with the opportunity to recalibrate and reassess our lives. But... I think most critically and most beautifully, it can challenge us to demonstrate our faith. Demonstrate our faith in such a way that, as Peter says in 1 Peter 1.17, that it might be proved genuine and result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Really good things. Praise, glory and honour because of the way we live our life in response to these things. So let, let's finish with prayer and let's commit ourselves to doing that and to helping our brothers and sisters who might find themselves in this situation to do that as well. So will you pray with me? Dear Father, as we head into what seems to be a difficult 2009, uh, we have many things to pray for. We pray that the global financial crisis might be quickly resolved with as minimal as impact as possible. We pray for those people who may be impacted by job loss. We pray that you would sustain them and support them by your Holy Spirit, that you would give them uh, great wisdom as they deal with their situation we pray that you would lead them to new work that would help them fulfil your design for them. 
We pray that you would comfort them, support them, help them to trust you. We pray also for those of us who know people in this situation, that you would help us to be good, supportive friends. Father, we pray that you'd help us to be diligent in supporting and praying for them and carrying their burden with them. Pray that we continue to do this as long as you require us to do so as Christian brothers and sisters. And we pray all of this, commit all of this to you in your son's name. Amen.